Today on From A to Z, it's Falls Hill. Welcome to From A to Z, the only David Bowie podcast on the internet where we listen to and digest every single David Bowie song from A to Z. My name is Travis. My name is Thomas. And this is our first episode of the B season. Welcome to B's. Welcome to season B. Uh, we are talking about Balls Him. Bales Him. Bales Him. Bales Him. Bales Him. Baal. You will hear Baal. all of these pronunciations as we go along. The Hymn of Ball from uh, the play Ball. <laughs> um, play Ball! It's just, it, everything you tack the name onto does sound um, so much fun. It's all plays on words. Uh, my cousin's in jail. I gotta bail him out. Gotta bail him out. Yeah, this is another Bertolt Brecht song, following up from our Bertolt Brecht song from season A. Is that Alabama song? Alabama song. Which, interestingly enough, we have another song where we are making reference to a whiskey bar. Yeah, a whiskey bar comes up in this one. This was recorded in 81, just one year after the studio version of Alabama song came out. Bowie was hired to do this play, Ball, uh, for the BBC. Uh, director Alan Clark, who had done work for the BBC before and since, decided to revive this play for the BBC in 1981. Uh, it was produced by Lewis Marks and written by John Willett, who was a uh, Brecht translator of some note. They, uh, the story is they went to Bowie because they had heard about his recent success in New York playing in The Elephant Man. Bowie, of course, coming from a mime background, did this great like physical performance as Merrick. So he had this great stage presence. Uh, unfortunately, there's no film footage of Bowie as Merrick. Yeah. So we don't get to see any of that. But apparently very different from the movie that came out around the same time um, by another David, David Lynch. So where was I going with Which, that? Spoiler. Yeah. This is not the first, not the last time that David Lynch is going to come up in this episode. Not the first other David that's going to, that's probably going to come up. Yes. Because so actually in my life. talking about David Lynch is going to be get discussing another. I have a lot of David based thoughts about this song. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, did you, did you want to? Oh, no, it's Karen. So you were, you were discussing David Lynch. Not really. I, that was, that's, they found him. You know, having done The Elephant Man and decided, you know, maybe he'd be okay for this show. They hired him, uh, guessing that he had some interest in Weimar, Germany. Um, thinking back to uh, Station to Station, I think, and his time in L.A. and the cocaine-induced uh, fascism obsession. And when they met him, they were pleasantly surprised that he actually was really familiar with Brecht. So he does this show and also does a studio take, which is, I, th I think, the version that we're going to be talking about. That's the only the, version. Yeah, that's the one that I, I had heard. This one you can find on the Sound and Vision compilation, the revised version that EMI put out in 2003. Before that, it was on, it was part of a, an EP that Bowie put out for RCA. It was his final RCA record. It was the thing that finally severed the contract with RCA, which Bowie was very unhappy with yeah. at the time. Um, so Ball is all about a poet who loves debauchery, basically. He, um, he's 
described as an anti-hero, which, I mean, it's funny. It's, if this play came out now, or if they did a TV version of it, it would be huge because people love anti-heroes these days. Everyone loved Breaking Bad and mm. Mad Men. And we got the Punisher coming on Punisher. Um, and even in the Batman movies, he's a bit of an anti-hero. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with a lot of this Brecht stuff. There's a lot of, it's very dark. Yeah. Some dark stuff. Who knew the dirt? The Germans were so dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think we have this uh, perspective, this, what's it called? Uh, generationism or we have a, a bias towards the past being more uh, yeah. naive or innocent or ignorant, just dumb and, you know, not, not thinking as deeply as we do, uh, which of course the opposite is probably true. Yeah. I, maybe it's because in school you don't read this dark stuff that came out before. Like the canon doesn't include these really dark yeah, moments. The, the heroes are heroes, the villains are villains, and never shall the two become remotely close to being the same. But yeah, this Ball's a bad dude. He drinks, he fights. Yeah, he just goes around womanizing and brawling. He seduces a woman who drowns herself. He spurns his pregnant mistress murders his friend just a real crummy guy up until the murder part it actually kind of reminded me of um did you used to watch californication at all no so californication is a show that was on showtime that i, I watched a little bit of when i back when i had showtime there's a show with david duchovny in it and he plays this writer living in la who just drinks too much and he's always getting himself into fights and getting himself into all kinds of trouble and um, another anti-hero total anti-hero anti yeah he's a complete asshole but you just love him anyway it's, it's a it's a comedy drama but it was a really good show and it kind of reminded me of that to the point that i looked up californication to see if maybe there's any reference to this in there like that it was partially inspired it wasn't it was just a total coincidence hmm. yeah it really reminded me of, of that character so me and my girlfriend both were at the exact same period of time watching Californication, X-Files, and Twin Peaks. <laughs> so it was just every night, it was just like deciding how we were going to take our Duchovny because we, we were just like in a really intense David Duchovny face. Because um, he's amazing no matter what you stick him in, even if it's something that's not that good. Yeah. I mean, all three of those things are incredible. Did you happen to watch he's that show Aquarius best. that he was on this past summer? No. That was, that was a pretty good example of mediocre show. Awesome Duchovny. Uh, I'm thinking of Evolution, the movie. Yeah, kind of a mediocre movie, but he is really excellent in it. Yeah. Uh, so, Ball, Bale, Bael. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen the play. Nor have I. It's hard to come by on YouTube or something. Yeah. Big news is that there is a Blu-ray coming out, finally. Ah. The uh, BFI... British Film Institute is putting out a Blu-ray box set called uh, Alan Clark. What was it called? It's uh, so it's a it's a whole box set of these Alan Clark productions for the BBC, and in, and it includes uh, Ball and Bale. Let's just it's Bale. Sure. Uh, so if you look at the lyrics, there are lines that rhyme Bale's name with the word pale. Um, and even when he's singing it. He somehow sounds like he's saying it three different ways all at the same time. Yeah, I feel like uh, he gets a pass based on his kind of combination, his his British accent, and you know, uh, there's a thing you, if you if you're confident enough, you can get away with anything. Um, I think he just pronounces it confidently enough that he gets to just say ball or whatever it is he's saying. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it's bail. 
so anyway, there's this box set of Alan Clark productions coming out, and it's going to have Bale on it. Unfortunately, it costs an arm and a leg, as BFI Blu-ray box sets tend to do. Plus, you'll have to import it if you're me or, you know, another U.S. listener. So it's finally going to come out on Blu-ray, and apparently this teleplay includes, like, a split-screen effect, a la Brian De Palma, to do the, um, what are they called, soliloquies, when, when a character addresses the audience. Yeah. To sort of mimic that, and then, I guess, have action on one side, and then Bowie just, like, talking directly to the camera, or singing directly to the camera on the one side. So there will be a home video version of it soon, but um, I still haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Listener, if you're feeling generous, uh, donate a copy of the Bale Blu-ray to Just our send inbox. Us, send us DVDs. To our, uh, yeah, our P.O. box. Um, Bale is this, uh, getting back to the play. The song in the play is split up into different sections. And so different stances occur as vignettes during the play, sort of commenting on Ball's progression through the play. But the studio version puts it all together and yeah. just makes this longer hymn. I, 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 God, that makes me want to watch it even more because it just seems even more interesting to just, just the way it sets it up. It, it, it's, hey, watch how badass Ball's about to be. Um, oh, yeah, and it, it would matter, like, if it's before or after. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But I feel like it would have to be after, at least the death, yeah. the death after he dies. Yeah, because, yeah, you don't want to tell people what's coming. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a closure yeah. point. So no, he's, no, he's basically like, acting like his, as his own, like, Greek chorus. Exactly. And it also reminds me of, I don't know if you remember that classic SNL sketch with Will Ferrell and, uh, I can't remember who else was in it, David Koechner, I want to say, uh, the Bill Brasky thing, where they just like keep adding on and adding on to all these amazing amazing things that Bill Brasky does. Bill Brasky! Bill Brasky! Like this, like so much of this sounds like Bill Brasky stuff. Like, he tricked a vulture and then ate vulture soup to Bill Brasky! <laughs> to Bill Brasky, vulture soup. To Bill Brasky! So I kind of found myself <laughs> laughing the whole time I was listening to it. <laughs> that, that's such a great, That's that was my favorite part. That was the part that made me take off my headphones, wipe my brow, put my headphones back on, click rewind, <laughs> and listen to that two or three more times yeah. to make sure I heard what like, I thought I heard. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> He's trolling vultures, killing them and eating them? <laughs> This is after he's uh, just murdered a bunch of dudes. Yeah. At least according to the song. Yeah. The play, you said he murdered his friend. He but does murder someone. In this one, it says he'll thicken the ground because there's space enough I'll thicken the ground. Just fill the whole ground up with dead yeah. bodies. This is a raging homicidal maniac. He's going to eat an entire pasture. Yeah. Just to replenish the calories he's burned by eating people and vultures. Right. There's, here's another cool line, interesting line that stuck out to me, and it, it only it only stuck out the second time I heard it too. I passed right by it the first time. Any vice for ball has got its useful side. It's the men who practice it he can't abide. Vices have their point once you see it as such. Stick to two for one will be too much, and then it goes on to say slackness and softness are the sorts of things to shun. So basically, he's, he's saying like you need to really. Fill your life with, with vice. Just go whole hog. Just, like, really go for it. In for a penny, in for a pound. Just, like, be terrible. If you're going to be bad, be just, like, the worst that you can be. Because if you're not bad enough, 
uh, you're just half-heartedly doing it, and you're gonna get soft. You're gonna slack off. Yeah. You're gonna, whatever, get caught or like go straight or. You're either gonna be a nuisance or you're gonna be reviled. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So go for the reviling. Yeah. So yeah, Ball is this uh, amoral, opportunist, philanderer, murderer, um, and kind of a, again, give it to Brecht and, and the influence, or maybe even subconscious. I don't know how much of an influence this had on Bowie, but uh, this Ball is basically, he's like the proto-rock star. He's kind of like Ziggy. He's got this image of the sky that's always with him. And, you know, he's, he's aspiring for that. He wants to get off this world. He wants to be bigger than this world and just like go off and be something, something larger. Um, and he does it through these nefarious activities. And he meets a tragic end and we sing about him afterwards. We remember Ball. Uh, it's not glorifying his life, but it's a memoriam to this tragic life that he led. Like a cautionary tale. Like an accidentally glorifying cautionary tale. Yeah, except it's more... I'm not sure how cautionary this, this is trying to be. It's, it's basically just this, you know, tragedy. It's just a tragedy. He's got this image of... He's got this sense that he needs to do more than what he's got to work with. Uh, he's got this great ambition that he's trying to fulfill. And he's got this obsession with youth and beauty, you know, the sky, this whole metaphor for what he's trying to go for is uh, that it's naked, young, immensely marvelous. So it's the, the beauty, the youth, the brilliance of just being young and having like a, a strong presence in the world. And this youth obsession, he wants, uh, he wants the young Bavarians and like living, living this life pursuing that and then as he grows older it becomes pale the, the sky becomes pale it's like all of this stuff is seeming more and more distant like it's not achievable but he you know something in him reinvigorates this passion and finally he dies and the sky is bright again naked young and marvelous again after all these <laughs> really <laughs> terrible deeds and maybe he could have achieved that through some other means, but that was not the path for Ball. Yeah. But it's fitting because it's always the tragic, dangerous ones that we always celebrate more anyway. Hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily a great thing, but that's just, yeah, that's just the way it is. Like, we, we like our dark figures more, the ones that live hard and die too soon. Well, you know, your Hendrixes, your, your Joplins, yeah. your Morrisons. Yeah. Those are the people that you talk about all the time, not the people who lived a nice long life and played it clean the whole time. Uh, we like the rock stars. Yeah. Even the ones that do live through it. It's their debauchery that everyone talks about later anyway. Right. Anything else about uh, Bale's hymn? I like the recurring imagery, the repetition of uh, this, the sky, the womb. He begins in the womb, ends in Earth's dark womb. I do like that little bit of full circle. Yeah, Brecht is a good storyteller, and he's he's good. At, he's a good poet. I like the uh, translation here. It's it's told in very prosaic language, like it's very matter of fact, very modern sounding, just kind of clunky at times. Like, oh yeah. Uh, ball. This line. Ball kept moving onwards and just let things go. That kind of falls out of the 
poeticness of the rest of it, but it's it's perfect because he's just you know this guy. Oh, and it reminds me. Uh, there's another. Is it Brecht who did this song? So there. So speaking of Bertolt Brecht, though, there's there's something that I'm trying to think of, trying to remember which which song it was. How fortunate the man with none. Have you heard this song? Uh, Dead can dance. There's uh, a good version of it. But that's another one that just uh, that invokes this mythic imagery, all these historic figures, and it's so dark and so. It's the quintessential I feel sorry for myself mopey song. Uh, it's like no good deed goes unpunished. All these great people, you know, met, met these horrible ends because nobody appreciated them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the other, that's the other side of the Bale story. You can be a, a villain and, you know, have songs sung about you that are kind of almost celebratory. Yeah. But you can be a hero or a great man or woman and just, you know, you'll be murdered for it. Yeah. I was like, won't appreciate it. Suck it up, pouty pants. <laughs> Should be more like that massages drunkard over there. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, that's, that's another Bertolt Brecht um, poem. Also, uh, the Dead Can Dance version, also translated by John Willett, who translated this one. All right. Uh, let's go on to ratings. I was really uh, surprised by this song. I was really... I'm really regretful that I didn't give this song more of a chance before now. And now I really want to see this play. Yeah, I am very curious to see the play. Yeah, because the first time I listened to the song, like it, it reminded me of Amsterdam, where it was kind of like clunky in spots, but enjoyable. But you're so like distracted by the clunkiness and the odd presentation at times that you, you're not really paying attention to the lyrics. And then after the second or third listen, and you're paying attention to the lyrics, like this is really dark and messed up and this ball character is really unsavory and speaking of savory uh i gotta give this one four at least four great big helpings of vulture soup (laughs) (laughs) i will um i'm gonna give it three and a half helpings of vulture soup yeah it's a really interesting song and i feel like i will appreciate it more if i get to see it in context Oh yeah, I can't wait to get to get that Blu-ray from you, listener. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Any other versions? Any? I I, I didn't see any come up on here. It's it did say um, when I was reading about the play that they did a very limited run in Sydney, Australia. It was only like two or three performances um, to mixed reviews. Who who did it? Um, it wasn't Bowie. No, it wasn't Bowie. It wasn't Clark. It was done in 2013, I want to say. Oh, okay, so here we go. So in, there was a 2011 production of Bal Bal Bale staged at the Sydney Theatre Company receiving mixed reviews. And there's an adaptation by Jonathan Mark Sherman about a dissipated rock star named Clive. And it's starring Ethan Hawke as Clive and uh, also features Vincent D'Onofrio. Whoa, where yeah. was that playing? This was in New York, uh, January of 2013. So oh, that was where that cool. year was coming from, yeah. I love Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Friend of the show, Ethan Hawke. We Friend of the before. show, Ethan Hawke. Uh, I mean, we mentioned him. We brought him up before in the Tin Machine uh, promo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that would have been worth seeing. Yeah, I did. I, I also really liked Vincent D'Onofrio, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've always loved watching him perform. Like, yeah. he's just got these... Facial tics. Oh, he's so much fun to watch. Um, um, Bale, uh, Bale, of course, 
Um, he could he could drink, he could carouse, and but Bill can't dance. But you know who can? <laughs> is <laughs> I hear baby can dance. His baby. So yeah, of course. Next week we're going to be talking about dirty dancing. Yeah, my brain definitely went to that too. So <laughs> we, yeah, we're going to end up talking about that a little bit. No, probably not because I've never seen it. It's but, been a while for me. So, uh, but join us on Friday for Baby Can Dance. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, for me to Ziggy, for me to Ziggy dot com. Uh, leave a comment on the page for this episode. Tell us what you thought of Bale's hymn. Uh, send an email to podcast at from a to Ziggy dot com if you have a longer form rant or rave you want to share with us. And join us Friday for Baby Can Dance. Until then, I'm Thomas. And I'm Travis. See you later. first google suggestion when i try to search for how fortunate is the man with none how fortunate the man with none is how fortune cookies are made (laughs) um it's a burning question (laughs) it's like how babies are made